0: Welcome to Transition, Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about the Nintendo Switch since we have the console in office and apart from that we are also going to be mentioning Horizon Zero Dawn, Nier Automata, Xbox One's indie game creator program and a little bit about Halo 6. Okay. First up, let me introduce the people who are going to be talking on this episode. We have podcast regulars Rishi Alwani. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Mikhail Madnani. Hi. And I'm your host, Pranay Parav. So let's, without delaying, get into the Nintendo Switch straight off. Uh, we got the console, what, three days ago? Uh, yeah, like four days
1: ago. It's been a quite a ride, actually. At least, f- this is the first time I've, for, for, for me at least, this is the first time I've managed to you know cover a console since the leaks with the nx as it was called then and finally get my hands on it all in a relatively fast time frame which is pretty cool and um personally i think it's it's nintendo's relevant again i mean there's no other way to put it they've yeah. become relevant again uh, everything from being able to use it as advertised on the go and then just plugging into a dock works so yeah they've they have a chance
0: Okay, so well, let's do one thing. Let's first talk about the issues that we faced so far with, oh, yes. with the Switch. So I heard there was some issue with plugging in the Joy-Con. I heard you put it in the wrong way and then things didn't go according to plan. Yeah,
1: so uh, <laughs> what happened exactly was it had not, it had more to do with the Joy-Con and the Joy-Con grip. Uh, where if you put the Joy-Con grip in the wrong way, uh, it gets stuck <laughs> and you can't remove it. Uh, however, thanks to the eagle eyes of our lovely video editor, Yusuf, he managed to quickly YouTube a video and figure out a very quick solution to that. It, it, it had to do with pressing a form of emergency lock on the grip. Uh, yeah, there are some teething issues with the hardware. I'll not deny that. The Joy-Con itself is notorious for desyncing. What it, what that means is because it's wireless uh, there and it's, I think, running on some... It's Bluetooth. Blo- yes, some version of Bluetooth. Uh, you do have a situation where people have seen where the consoles just stop responding. Out of yeah, the way. when
2: you're like further than six feet away, some console, some Joy-Cons have issues. Mm. Yeah, and it's not even just that. Even
1: at, at closer ranges, there have been issues. But luckily, we haven't faced that problem. I've checked it out across a variety of ranges. We haven't had that issue yet. Uh, and uh, it so far, we've been lucky that way. There have been other issues with the device. People have been complaining of dead pixels on the screen, which, I mean shouldn't be i mean it's not something people shouldn't have expected because dead pixels have been an issue on lcd handhelds since the days of the playstation portable so it's not exactly an an unknown problem but yeah it's something that is to be known yeah i've also seen
0: you being very careful like handling it with baby arms while putting it into the dock right
1: Uh, yeah so that is the only to me that's been the real problem uh, the dock itself isn't lined with any soft material, which is very odd because when you're putting your, when you're putting this the, 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 the tablet into the dock, there is a good chance it could inevitably get scratched. And uh, it gets worse because uh, right now there are several kinds of scratch cards available ranging from your usual uh, plastic scratch cards to tempered glass. But there hasn't been one which seems to get the job done. And that is a point of concern. And it's really odd because in 2017, when every Android device, when every uh, iOS device sports some form of, uh, protective screen or uh, 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 protective screen be it gorilla glass or whatever they want to call it it's just perplexing that this is something nintendo decided not to do it's a pure plastic screen i mean the entire device is more or less constructed out of plastic and it's not cheap plastic either unlike certain android oems like samsung are notorious for and it's just really tragic that they screwed up on that one important aspect in my opinion the rest is pretty damn
2: good
0: it yeah just, i'll agree yeah. with you on that the hardware does feel quite premium even yeah. though it's plastic it's yeah. very nicely done plastic so Mikhail, your first impressions
2: uh very good and uh probably i've just used it for probably i think one and a half hour over the last few days and so far it feels like it'll live up to the play anyway you know the thing where they show someone playing it on the airplane connecting a nice set of headphones hopefully i'll be able to use airpods on this thing <laughs> and uh like start playing a, a good game you know not skyrim so uh something like that so far it feels really good but uh i i'm not a fan of this grey one and i'll wait for the i'll wait to pick up a neon console yeah rishi
0: is the most boring person we've ever met so. okay, i mean he likes
2: skyrim so hey yeah, man there, yeah. there's a point what can i say
1: i have good taste <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so uh, feedback on joy cons. I mean, I thought that the um, analog stick mm-hmm. is a bit awkward because I'm, a ki- I'm the kind of person who will really like hit those buttons very, very hard, mm-hmm. especially when uh, I'm playing racing games mm-hmm. uh, or even fighting games. Mm-hmm. What I think is that if you press the button really hard, your attacks become very strong or your uh, turns become really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not true. It's just a like, gut instinct that I have. And I'm pretty sure that I'm going to injure my thumb if I play with this for very long.
1: Uh, I, I, to me, the Joy Cons, I, I do agree with you. Yes, it, it does seem a little dainty if you're used to playing that way. And uh, the, though to me, the bigger issue with the Joy Cons have to do with the placement of analogs, because uh, the uh, in in previous consoles they'd be symmetrical. Yeah. So they'd be the the both, both joysticks would be on the same plane. It's something that I'm used to with the PlayStation Four controller, and so I, to me, it's a little awkward that way. But that aside, I mean. Uh, I uh, have very, uh, very li- little else to complain about. I mean, sure, if you're a fighting game fan like Mikhail, you'll probably have a problem with uh, the fact that there's no proper directional pad. But I mean, that makes that- a
2: difference even in like 2D platformers like Shovel Knight. I mean, uh, for the 10 minutes I tried playing it, right now I switched to using the analog, and I don't like using analog controls in a 2D game. Uh, for the fighting game side of things, let's see which fighting games show up here. Arms. Uh, You'd be using motion controls for that. (laughs) It's okay. But but yeah, basically the Joy-Cons feel nice, but I cannot imagine uh, using them separately as single when you switch to two players, unless you're playing a game like Mario Kart. I can totally see that working out. But uh, I'm not going to play a fighting game on a single (laughs) (laughs) Joy-Con. Yeah. So I believe you guys gave
0: a demo at the store to the owner, right? Uh, What were his reactions? I mean, this is somebody who probably has never seen this before, right? So picture this...
1: It's a Saturday afternoon in Mumbai and it's a sleepy Saturday afternoon. There's this shady back alley store. We enter and we ask the guy at the counter, Bro, do you have a switch? And he's like, I have plenty. What do you want? I'm like, we just want one. We want to pick one up. He's like, yes, but I only have game I only have one game right now, which is this one-two switch. And honestly, even though I sold 10, 15 today, I want to know how this plays. So can you guys check it out for me? And you know, just give me a demo. We're like, okay. So in the middle of this cramped little store, you have two semi, two debatably grown men playing 1-2-Switch and playing games like Quick Draw and Ping Pong for the audience of the rest of the store who don't know what the heck they're selling. And it was quite amusing because, uh, for starters, that uh, the motion controls work. Uh, they, they're super accurate. And regardless of the game, be it something like Quick Draw or uh, Ping Pong, it just worked. I mean, there, there was literally no issues there. It just seemed to mimic... Uh, how it could be in reality with no with no problems. But as for one to switch as itself, uh, I mean I get Nintendo trying to push the social angle by forcing pl- co- competitors to look into each other's eyes while they play, which I mean okay, cool story bro, but I mean uh, as a package for I mean it costs fifty dollars, mm. all right and in India that works out of four thousand rupees. Mm. Four thousand rupees for mini games is I don't think that's fair. That should have been a back-end title, in my opinion. It's not something they should be selling on the side.
2: Mm. But that's what Nintendo's doing. The the ping-pong in 1-2-Switch was about 100 times better than Kinect Sports Table Tennis (laughs) on Xbox 360. (laughs) Which basically, half the time, it tells you move to the left, move to the right. Like, this just worked perfectly. And when you hit it, actually, because of the HD rumble, quote-unquote, it actually has some weight to it. So, it's really good. But again, they need to release this as a free download on the eShop. Or they need to have this as a pack, and no one is going to spend fifty dollars yeah. on this, regardless of the software draught outside yeah. of Zelda. But what's really interesting, though, is from a haptic standpoint, it re- it's a really nice
1: show off of what the Joy-Con can do. However, I mean, for let's be honest, uh, unless you're a, unless you're a hardcore Nintendo fan who's going to pick it up for Zelda anyway. You're you're probably going to be drawn to something like one to switch, but it should be a pack-in title. There is not enough value to
0: justify the price. But I mean, for a moment, let's just take off our gamer hats and look at people mm. like I mean, our parents' age, yeah. uh, families who are buying this to you know ha- as a group activity. Don't you think they would want to spend on a game that they can play with each other? I think if we if we go by that logic. Uh, they, that's the kind of kind of
1: audience that would expect some freebies right out of the box. Yeah. We saw it with the Wii, right? We got Wii Sports as a bundle game, and yeah. fine, even as a standalone game, it ended up being one of the greatest selling games of all time. And that's the thing, right? You need that one piece of software to carry it through at least for the first year or so. And that's what worries me. While you have Zelda, which is fantastic, but but the ceiling, I mean, the ceiling in terms of growth, in terms of sales, in terms of market penetration, isn't going to be as high. As it could be with One Two Switch, in my opinion, the potential of One Two Switch is much higher if it was either discounted or brought in as a pack uh, and title.
0: Yeah, I do agree with you. that fifty dollars seems like a yeah. bit too high for for this kind of a game, especially when you're not bundling anything with and, the console. And right? what's
1: more, it's not like the, a lot of. I mean, not to take anything away from Nintendo, but it from from uh, from an end user standpoint. Most of the game has, you know, uh, film sequences or or, or or where there's very little actual quote-unquote graphics in it. So I mean, it's not exactly much of a game as a demo. Of what you can expect. Mm. So yeah. So, I yeah.
2: think it's uh, it's a hard sell considering uh, most people are already dropping three hundred dollars plus seventy on a pro controller plus between sixty and one hundred and twenty on an edition of Zelda. Uh, I don't think a lot of people are going to drop fifty more on. Uh, one, two, One switch, two switch or a game like Super Bomberman R, which looks terrible in the end. And
1: yeah. e- and let's not forget the PlayStation's 4 Slim is available for under three hundred dollars in a lot of places. In India alone, you can pick it up for nineteen thousand five hundred if you know where to look. Mm. So it it begs the question: Are you going to spend anywhere between thirty five and forty thousand for the Switch, or are you going to spend for the PlayStation 4 Pro, which is for thirty eight, or are you going to f- spend for the PS4 Slim, which at its lowest is nineteen thousand five hundred? So. The options are there. And to be honest, uh, right now, the pricing isn't where it should be. And part of it has to do with Nintendo not being in India. But, you know, that's what it is right now. Mm-hmm. Though I do see that changing in the next couple of months once supply regulates, regulates itself. Because the Switch is a region-free console and it can work anywhere. Basically, what, whatever you buy in the US or you buy it in Japan will work wherever you are else. The There's no, there's no uh, barrier in terms of language. There's no barrier in any form of restrictions there. Except
2: for online. Except for online, which is a big question mark right now, and we won't know about that until probably summer.
1: Yeah, online multiplayer for that. Matter. Yeah,
2: you can access the eShop without any yeah. problems. You can. Uh, uh, there's no browser, but you can log into the internet, and there are. Uh, you can log into networks which require a browser yes, window. That's right? happened already. Yeah, so all of that is there. Basically, the only question right now is uh, if online multiplayer and voice chat is going to work in India. Yeah, because uh, one other one other interesting
1: step, uh, fact is. Uh, so now a lot of some of the Switch's functionalities are offloaded to your smartphone. So like parental controls for that matter or the multiplayer voice chat app. Now what's interesting is that the Indian app store does not have the Nintendo Switch parental control app. Hmm. If you need that, you need to go to the US store. Now, I mean we've seen this in the past with Mitomo where you know India got the short end of the stick. We saw this with Fire Emblem Heroes. And uh, it will be interesting to see if the same pattern continues here. Uh, now as far as we know nintendo has no plans to launch it officially but the gray price will drop i'm expecting that to happen very soon for one simple reason once supply gets better uh, and since the console is region free you'll see an influx of stock from other countries probably hong kong probably singapore probably south korea where it's a lot cheaper and uh, we could see a price uh, we could see the price drop to being around 25 where it should be where i think it's fair then the other issue comes with games but that's half negated from digital because the digital angle on it is a lot more interesting it's what sh- it should have it's what nintendo should have done a long time ago and it shows that someone at nintendo has finally decided to use a smartphone properly see what apps are available and how digital storefronts work there and i think that's a big deal now that this that this it's works it's a
0: out. massive deal considering where nintendo was
1: exactly and i mean at least for, for like and because there are supply situations, right? Today I want to buy Zelda on, on cartridge. The guy doesn't, ha- the store guys don't have it available. And they're like, okay, what are you going to do? We can we can give you the hardware. We can't give you the games. I'm like, okay, I'm just buying it digitally. Hmm. And then the look on their face of shock that they lost the sale. Well, what would you want me to say? Yeah. At the end of the day, it gives me some leverage, right? As a consumer, I have this leverage I can use, and it's great. So I think it's it's got promise. The pricing in India needs to be fixed. But if you're not living in India, or if you have the opportunity to get it. I would recommend you test it wherever you're buying it from first and then pick it up.
0: But And if everything's well, it's well worth picking up. Yeah. Um, Mike, your thoughts on this particular experience with the eShop? I believe you had like a few seconds to check it out.
2: So uh, um, uh, right now, there are very few titles on the eShop. But uh, given it's region-free and it lets you switch accounts like you can on a PlayStation 4, Uh, You get access to the eShop in Japan and you get access to the European one. Like, Nintendo has three major uh, different shops online. And uh, Japan gets a lot of titles which either take longer to show up outside in English or uh, will never show up. So, uh, I tried out Puyo Puyo Tetris, which is releasing end of April in English. And is really good on the Switch. And I also tried Dragon Quest Heroes, the demo, which uh, unfortunately is pretty terrible on the Switch and... uh, it runs worse than the Vita version does of Dragon Quest Heroes 2, although it looks a little better, but uh, I'd recommend, like, I'll stick to playing that on PS4, even though I prefer playing it on a portable. Uh, but Shovel Knight, which is, like, one of the best games in a long time, it it plays really well on the Switch. Again, the D-pad might be a problem for many people, but uh, eShop as such is responsive. Uh, there's no big loading screen like it is on the 3DS. And uh, so far, yeah, like, it's built on free BSD so I expected it to be a little smoother like the PS4 <laughs> uh, so basically now Nintendo and Sony both have their uh, console OS's on free BSD while uh, Microsoft decided to go with uh, like showing muscles Windows 10 which is super responsive <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about Xbox in a bit yeah, yeah. I mean uh, coming back to uh, Dragon
1: Quest Heroes 2 which which is really what is really interesting was uh, so our social and video head Gagan uh, he's a big Dragon Quest fan and the moment he saw the demo he just grabbed the switch started playing it yeah. and immediately like he just put the console he just put the switch down he's like no I cannot play this mm. I just cannot deal with this the frame rate's all over the place and yeah I think that's gonna that could be an issue with certain games I mean we I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, third party games suffer from issues like this but I mean as a consumer at the end of the day you're buying the console for Nintendo first party you're buying it
0: for exactly CDs. it wasn't the case with Zelda
2: exactly I think uh, Dragon Quest Heroes in particular, I'd blame Square Enix more than Nintendo, because uh, the Switch is a little less powerful than the Xbox One if we go by numbers, and uh, a game should not run worse than a three-year-old or four-year. How old is the Vita? Five? I can't yeah. Remember. No. Yeah. Five years old. It's yes. You can't Six. run worse than a five-year-old handheld, which had a GPU which was comparable to the iPad 3 at the time. So more yeah. iPad 2, but yeah. No, it was iPad 3. Yikes. So, yeah, I'd I'd blame Square Enix for this because uh, they basically wanted to do a cheap port and cash-in on the lack of launch titles. I mean, even Setsuna has some loading time problems, and that's a Unity game. So, I I just blame Square Enix for this completely.
0: Yeah, we've been speaking too much about games without really going into any kind of detail. So, any of you want to talk about your experience with any particular game that you've played for more than, say, 10 minutes? Um, I believe you've been playing Zelda, Rishi. Yeah, Rishi's been playing Zelda.
1: I have been playing Zelda, and... um, It's not your usual Zelda game, which is a good thing, which means I actually... I mean, to be honest, while I've played most of them, uh, the one I liked the most was uh, Link's Awakening, which is basically... The Twin Peaks version of Zelda Where all weird stuff goes down mm. And I really like that one Because it's so bizarre And right out there uh, This gives me a similar feeling It's It starts off I mean look The, tri- the premise of most Zelda games Are the same right You uh, essentially uh, Wake up Solve a bunch of puzzles de- Defeat a bunch of bosses Explore a bunch of ruins Save the princess Etc But this one starts off In a very cool fashion uh, It's and It seems to be a common theme right Of it seems to be like a post, post-apocalyptic post or other post-apocalyptic situation where evil has already triumphed and uh, it's up to you to clean up stuff before things get worse than they already are. And in terms of premise, it's really cool. Uh, in terms of gameplay mechanics, it's... Uh, very different because the weapons you find on the field they deteriorate over time uh you can craft a bunch of things you can use you can use your shield as a snowboard every piece of terrain is climbable usable unlike certain other open world games <coughs> fallout 4 <laughs> uh but yeah and it's it's just so much fun uh, and the puzzles are have always been in my opinion the puzzles in zelda have always been its strongest suit and that continues here you have some cool abilities you can use so like Early on, you can use a magnet to move metallic items across your play, uh, across uh, and to create platforms for yourself, or, or to hurl at enemies, which I think is really cool. Uh, you can even and th- there's just so many secrets to explore. They've done a really good job in terms of open world, and this is the first time we've seen the Zelda series go open world. It's it's always been a more contained uh, experience, and so far it's been working. The controls are pitch perfect, in my opinion. Keep in mind, I'm not using a pro controller; rather, I'm using two Joy Cons on the grip, and for me, it's been really good. I don't see an issue here at all. And it's just fun. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if, if there's one game you have to buy on the Switch, it's this, at this point in time.
2: Mike, do you agree? Uh, agreed, yeah. And also, uh, the soundtrack deserves a special mention because, uh, so I ordered the special edition of Zelda and it comes with a composer selection or sound selection CD. Music is really, really good. Like, better than... Uh, I'd say comparable to Link Between Worlds because that's the highlight for Zelda music according to me. So really, really good. Nice use of piano and stuff like that in the open world. So yeah, very impressed. Glad I bought the special edition. <laughs>
0: yeah. So at this point, uh, what games do we have available on the Switch?
2: So there are a bunch of them. Uh,
1: Zelda obviously being one. Uh, other regions like Japan already have this Gea 5, which is this insanely crazy or, or strategy game which is essentially Football Manager but in hell and almost <laughs> the same amount of curry. So <laughs> that seems to be very quirky but it's a port uh, it's essentially the game came out on the PS4 I think a year year and a half ago so it's it's making its Switch debut but though I think the form factor and control options on the Switch make it a better uh, fit in my opinion. There's I Am Setsuna, which is a Japanese RPG, uh, which is a throwback to retro ga- retro RPG re- retro Japanese RPGs. There's a uh, fast uh, racing, which is a uh, RMX fast racing, which RMX. is
2: like the quote-unquote yes. definitive version of the Vu game, Fast Racing Neo, which was a spiritual successor or inspired by F Zero, yeah. the Nintendo franchise. So, yeah. comparable to Wipeout, I'd say. Yes, comparable to Wipeout. And it looks and runs really well on the Switch as it did on the Wii U. Yeah. Uh, other than that, there was supposed to be World of Goo, Little Inferno, and Human Resource Machine, but uh, I couldn't find them on the eShop and they seem to be missing in action right now. Uh, there's Snipper Clips, yeah. which is this, uh, I think it's a $20 or $10 eShop only game, yeah. which. Uh, it looks like some small set of mini games, which you cut stuff. I have no yeah. idea what it's just.
1: That just seems. I haven't checked out Simple Clips myself. It seems to be on a bizarre side. Nintendo published, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there's even a ton of Indies, like Mike said. We're probably gonna see a uh, little info. The shovel knight, treasure trove,
2: yes. which is you cannot get some of the content on other consoles and platforms yep. yet. It's like exclusive for a limited time. Yeah. Uh, which is a very, very, very good retro-inspired uh, platform game, yep. which. Uh, it's actually one of the few which gets the whole retro aesthetic right in every way. Uh, Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus is releasing middle of March, which has three expansions for the Binding of Isaac, and uh, I'm looking forward to buying that game for the probably tenth time, uh, yeah. and I will convince Pranay to buy it as well. Uh, other than that, uh, I think a lot of basically what Nintendo is doing is uh, Japan has a lot more releases right now, but the US and Europe. All the same games which are ready now are going to come out a little later. And they claim they want to have steady flow of releases where they have one big game coming in every week. So that's why Mario Kart 8, which is evidently complete, is releasing end of April. Yeah. Disgear 5 is coming out at the same time. Puyo Puyo is around that time. So Sorry, Disgear 5 is in May. Yeah. So basically, uh, you could pick up some of the games in Japan and play them in English right now. Like Disgear 5 and Setsuna if you're uh, craving something after finishing Zelda. Which will yeah. take a good amount of time. Yeah, yep. Zelda
0: will take a long while based yep. on yep. whatever I saw so far. Uh, So just to give our listeners an idea, are there any performance issues, any differences when you compare tablet mode to the TV mode? Anything that people should keep in mind? Does it just work flawlessly? Uh, Right now, it just
1: seems to rip off Apple's it-just-works mentality. Mm -hmm. There doesn't seem to be too much of an issue. The only one minor issue is one or two very rare frame rate drops in Zelda when using it on the TV. But that aside, it's been pitch perfect through
0: and through. All right, and what about the battery life that they can ex- expect?
1: So, uh, with games like Zelda, I mean, obviously, I use a mix of settings. I don't just stick with maximum brightness like some other uh, reports have used and some other YouTubers have used. Rather, I uh, I use a mix of medium and high, and I usually like you know switch go switch switch to airplane mode when I play. And I was getting around three hours in Zelda which is more than the three and a, than the two and a half hours that most people have been reporting. Mm. Uh, and uh, if it's more graphic-intensive games like Puyo Puyo... No, less graphic-intensive games, sorry. Like Puyo Puyo Tetris or uh, or, or even stuff like uh, Shovel Knight, it goes closer to the six-hour mark, which Nintendo has advertised. So I think it's pretty fair. Uh, I wouldn't grouse the battery life at all, especially in, in titles like Zelda, because uh, of what you're able to get in terms of visual output is pretty good and Mm. the fact that you can charge this on
2: the go with a power bank means you're still okay yeah does it work with a power bank though like
1: uh yeah from i've heard conflicting
2: reports of uh, it either keeping the battery steady or like basically letting it drain out slower uh, because most of the power banks have uh, just 10 to 12 watt output so, yeah uh, so, i believe there's there's a new one coming with USB-C output which is 18 watts or something yeah yeah i think yeah so basically you need a high wattage power bank not the cheap stuff yep. you get mm. so, so yeah that's where we're at on and, that but yeah o- overall switch very impressed with it uh, didn't think nintendo could pull it off even with the limited uh, apps which are available just having the os not lag is a big step up
1: Yeah, Yeah, It is, is. I mean, come on, like
2: when when Samsung, uh, when their phone stopped lagging, you saw they made TouchWiz uglier. Nintendo actually has people with eyes designing the OS. Yeah,
1: I mean, like if you compare it to the Wii U, it's a massive step up in just pure usability. And I mean, say what you want, sure, it's not not content related, but it's a big deal in your user experience, especially if you want to take this on the go.
0: Yeah, true that. So is there anything else you guys want to say about the Switch or can we move on to other slightly less important topics? We can
2: switch to something else now.
0: (laughs) Yes, we can. So speaking of switching to other things, I think Horizon Zero Dawn is the first thing on our agenda. Yes. So So, Rishi.
2: So
1: Horizon Zero Dawn is another open world game, but an action RPG from uh, from the makers of Killzone. Uh, Killzone is a PlayStation exclusive franchise made by uh, a European studio called Guerrilla Games. And uh, they decided one fine day that, you know what, we're done making, you know, Kill Zone. Let's make a game with gi- giant robots set in uh, a post post apocalyptic future. And the end result is uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. It is a compelling piece of fiction from a narrative standpoint. Uh, if you ask me, they've, this is basically Mass Effect level good. So it what do you mean by
0: post post apocalyptic? Which basically like means the machines
1: have won and now they're ruling the earth. In a fashion where humanity has regressed to tribe state mm-hmm. and hunter-gatherer state, and uh, machines are everywhere that they have basically taken on the form of uh, saber-toothed tigers,
2: T-Rexes, ty- t- Brontosaurus t- Rexes, Bron- yeah—that look like they've spent a little too much time watching Star Trek. Exactly. So, it's—it's it's, it's
1: basically a whole gamut of things, and because it's post-post-apocalyptic, nature's decided to you know reclaim the land and everything. So you'll find these or weird half bombed out buildings which have grass all over them it's a really lush vibrant looking game uh and it's one of our favorite titles i mean i'm sure if you've checked out this site called gadgets360.com you'd have checked out our review oh never heard of that site before oh you should check it out it's really awesome uh we scored it a nine on ten it was a really really good game and it's one that a lot of PlayStation fans were looking forward to, considering India is essentially a PlayStation country, uh, and Sony is usually good with its releases. Uh, we expected that the game would show up on time, which was, I think, March 1. However, we were met with a seven-day delay, and the game is only going to be available officially on March 8th. Mm. And, uh, and it's going
2: to ship out on March 8th, according to retailers like Games The Shop. Yeah, so... So if you live in a non-metropolitan uh, area, or if you live in, say, a place like Bhopal, expected two to three days later... Then the delayed release date, uh, which is a little disappointing because, uh, you know, when they show off trailers for games and you see so much foliage and you see these thick forests with lots of leaves everywhere and all. And then when the final game comes out, it looks like trash, like Final Fantasy Fifteen. Well, this game actually looks like the trailers <laughs> yeah. on a normal PlayStation, <laughs> not even on the Pro. I haven't even seen it on the Pro. Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. So... Uh, like Gorilla Games have always released uh, technical showcases for the hardware. I mean, even the Gorilla Cambridge release on the Vita Killzone Mercenaries it looked better than anything else on the platform. So with this, they've nailed the narrative as well, and they have a brilliant soundtrack. And more importantly,
1: it's like even in terms of game design, right, you can do a lot, there are a lot of ways to approach a mission and they're all sound, they all make sense. So you could find yourself in an enemy encampment with some with, with two or three really large robots that can kill you in a single blow. But at the same time, the game gives you opportunities to set traps for them, go stealthily avoid them altogether, or essentially just uh, wreak havoc if you have enough ammo on you. So it's it, it's very well constructed that way. It's it's systematically sound, and it's something which is surprising because uh, see in India, role-playing games don't do too well. The exception to the rule has been Witcher 3. And to see that there's been so much pre-hype around it, and there have been so many people who've just been asking us, when is it coming in? How can we play it? Uh, what else can we expect around it? Oh, it's an RPG great, we'll manage. So it's rare to see that that amount of interest on a game like this. And the fact that Sony dropped the ball is very disappointing. Because it essentially means that people might just end up buying digitally, and not the best idea
2: considering you're spending 3500 and have to download 50 GB. Yeah. So yeah, that. I'd say the only problem with Horizon, which makes it a little boring, is uh, when you have to take out human enemies, because after like the intricate combat and everything, you have to keep in mind while taking out machines with elemental arrows and traps and basically calling allies and stuff. Uh, like you have these stupid human bandits, and then suddenly it feels like oh, we're playing a Ubisoft game or something, <laughs> and let's go for a headshot. Like, burn, man. <laughs> yeah. Sick burn. There's the Uplay login, and also. <laughs> So, yeah, basically, uh, I, my only complaint was the human enemies. They're really boring, even though uh, you can break the game balance to some extent early on, but still, I just. Uh, the human enemies were like, I wish they weren't there. Yeah, yeah
0: cool. So, very quickly, can we move on to um, Near Automata?
1: Oh, yes. So, uh, Near Automata is basically an, another action RPG. This
2: and uh, before you Google this, it's not safe for work even typing the name in Google Image Search, so just keep that in mind. Yeah.
1: So. So yeah, there seems to be a lot of those this month, right? Zelda, Horizon Zero Dawn, Near Automata. Uh, this one's coquier than the rest because you can essentially view the game's ending in the first five minutes <laughs> if you die
0: during the opening. Curious sequence. case of Near Automata.
1: Yeah, and there are like I think I think if I'm not mistaken, at least five or six different endings, and the game rewards multiple playthroughs. Mm-hmm. And you and it's not just like in other games where oh a different ending means one uh, screen changes. We're talking about totally different endings through and through yeah like and uh, totally different paths apparently
2: one of the the third or fourth ending has a completely different game from start to finish and it plays longer than the previous ending so not like mass effect basically
1: yeah this is this is this is so deeply woven in the the element of so the thing is you're never told what your choices are it's just how you play it and how you play it determines a certain path the game leads you to so it's a very interesting experiment in linearity in that way and it's Coupled with some god-tier combat, uh, because the combat's done by this uh, studio called Platinum Games, the same guys who made Bayonetta, who've made uh, uh, what's the other Revengeance. one? Revenge. Revenge. Yeah, Metal Gear Rising: Revengeance, and who've made the greatest game of all time, Vanquish. Nope. So don't hate, man. <laughs> so uh, point is, uh, it's it's really cool. It's fun to play, and uh, it's it's one of the cozier titles this year. And what's but what's I mean, really amusing is. Um, it's only on playstation 4 and pc the pc version is ridiculously expensive uh, i don't think it's fair to charge people uh what 2000 bucks for a pc game on steam which is completely region locked i don't think that's fair business practices but yeah that's where it is so if you have to check it out check it out on ps4 it's a lot of fun
0: yeah so what's all this talk about this uh halo 6 so, so halo contrary
2: to what rishi has been trying to convince me for over the last few weeks Saying Halo 6 will save, Xbox Scorpio will win and stuff like that. Oh, he didn't say that. But uh, <laughs> basically, uh, as soon as Halo was 2 was uh, delayed to 2017, I knew there would not be another Halo game this year. And Phil Spencer confirmed that on uh, the IGN Unlocked or Unfiltered podcast. Unlocked. Unlocked, yeah. Uh, and he said there will not be a Halo FPS this year, which basically means no Halo six. So that made all of us wonder what is the big Scorpio launch title going to be.
1: Halo ODST too, dude, believe. Some of us want to believe.
2: Isn't that still an FPS? Still, but it's it doesn't he said, have no Master Halo Chief. FPS. It doesn't
1: have Master Chief, so it'll have ODSTs. Okay.
2: So basically, uh, after Scalebound got cancelled, uh, there's been a lot of people questioning why they bought an Xbox One, including Rishi. Uh, yeah, that's true. And now if we look at their lineup for the rest of the year, there's Sea of Thieves, which I have a feeling is not going to turn out well. They haven't even announced if it at what price point they're selling it at. I have a feeling it should be a free-to-play games as a service thing, but we'll see. Uh, then you have Crackdown 3, which also looks like it's going to get delayed. And uh, what else do they have? I can't even remember. Um, they have Cuphead and Below, which are two indie yeah, games, which are on Steam. They're not even Windows 10 exclusive. Yeah. Hey, let's not forget FIFA 18. It's coming to Xbox. Yeah, there'll be, no, so, there'll be some FIFA Ultimate Team exclusivity. So yeah. that's the thing. What is What are they going to have for this big Scorpio title? They to, Forza 7 is not something which sells that many consoles. It's not Gran Turismo, even though the quality might be better.
1: It's a very shady state of affairs, and it's compounded by the fact that... Uh, Microsoft just doesn't have anything and is claiming that it's basically hyping up stuff which we don't know is going to exist just yet. So they've been talking about how this winter is going to have a great lineup but we don't know anything about it. Uh, Sales of of prior titles like Gears of War 4 haven't exactly been what they should be. So it's a very I mean to to put it in perspective I think Forza Horizon 3 did a lot better for them. So it's going to be a make or to me it seems like it's a make or break situation with Scorpio and The fact that there are no games leads us to situations where they bring things like the Game Pass. Uh, For those of you who don't know, the Xbox Game Pass lets you pay 699 rupees per month, I think, yeah, per month, and lets you play over 100 Xbox 360 and Xbox One games. Obviously, this is all digital, so goodbye to your FUP. Each Xbox game has... uh, Way too many updates than I would like. Um, and yeah, you you need you need to make sure you have the FUP for that. So they started doing things like that. They started do, uh, having a situation where uh, they have something called the Game Creators Program, where uh, anyone can essentially sign up and, and create a game. No concept approval required. Uh, to me, that's a little disturbing because uh, as, for end consumers, the reason you buy a console is so that you don't have to deal with rubbish you you you're, you're assured of curated experience the fact that microsoft in principle at least is looking to open the floodgates means you could see the equivalent of steam which is in my opinion uh, not where it should be right now because in terms of curation in terms of what's available to buy there are things on steam that shouldn't even be there that have no business being on the store i mean we've seen games that have had simple asset flips that have been made with uh that have been made with assets bought from unity that shouldn't have no place in a full price product
2: yeah, and we discussed that on the last yeah, episode. Exactly. And, and this is what happens when yeah. you have a hands-off approach with quote-unquote power yeah. to the consumers. But I
0: wonder how yeah. it's like tying into things. Like we just said that there are no real games that are coming up, no big games coming up. So the up. thing
2: is, uh, Xbox Game Pass is uh, a very good step, I'd say, in the long run because we've seen it happen with TV and movies and it's just a matter of a few years more for it to happen with old games. It's a much much better implementation than PS Now, which is basically streaming old games. Because this actually lets you download them to your console and play them natively. But uh, they haven't, I don't think they'll be able to get enough third-party support for this. And they also said uh, they're going to have games leaving and entering the service. So it's not like Netflix where you basically usually have, uh, not not a lot of stuff gets removed from Netflix as far as I know. No, stuff does go. And in fact, uh, they just don't announce it. So, and here what's worrying is that uh, while… But they do give you a discount if you want to buy the game and discount on the DLC, which is nice. I, I think, I don't know, to me which what's worrying is that uh, while it's nice as a, as
1: a service and yeah, they're trying to do Netflix but for games. But the big problem here is uh, it's been done in the past. It's been done in India with uh, games on demand. It's been done in other countries as well with similar such services for PC. Uh, the stumbling blocks there were, yes, bandwidth. Bandwidth is still a stumbling block. Um, the other problem which you're gonna face is the actual penetration on the Xbox One because how many people actually own an Xbox One that are gonna make use of this? Million, at best. Hmm. So out of that, how many are actually gonna buy into this? It, it's it's nice to have, but I don't think it's gonna, come. I, I don't think it's gonna compel anyone to buy an Xbox One. I think at best, it's gonna keep people who have an Xbox One still using it. It's hmm. gonna add more revenue per user rather than adding new users. And while that might be great in the short term, uh, Microsoft's about volumes. And if they don't get those, well, I not They're paying
2: active users. That mm. too. Like, I'm pretty sure they don't care if people actually download the games, they just want people paying for Xbox Game Pass. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's true. So, Rishi, I'm gonna give you one minute to apologize for all the bad things you said about Ghost Recon Wildlands.
1: Oh so that's a thing oh yeah so <laughs> oh yeah so I was so wrong with this one um, yeah, the beta was rubbish to be very honest. I stand by that. The driving was terrible, the mission structure felt terrible. Uh, but here's the thing right That was the beta. Uh, the full game once you're done with that stupidly annoying tutorialized first section of the game uh, it opens up quite well and it's a lot of fun to play and you can do some interesting stuff. So you can like, uh well, call in mortars to, to like to create a diversion while you sneak in and you know nab your targets. You can uh, crash crash army helicopters into like villages while you while you do what you need to do. Yeah,
0: you can also die because helicopters fall on you.
1: Yeah, or you can go full Rambo, go go <laughs> crazy, shoot down heli- every helicopter in the sky with your crew, and uh, misjudge where a helicopter is going to crash. Yeah, <laughs> which it does on your head. That <laughs> happens as well. It's not it's not bug free. There are some weird bugs which we've encountered in our playthrough but uh, yeah it's surprisingly good shockingly so
0: yeah so that yeah it didn't sound like much of an apology did it
1: <laughs> I mean it's
2: a Ubisoft game <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like the design on this one I'm sorry yeah alright so from this episode onwards we decided to start a new segment uh, where we discuss what we've been playing in the previous week so I think I should go first because yeah um, yeah, I mean, I've been playing this game called The Battle of Polytopia It's a free game on iOS and Android So I've been playing it on my iPhone And I've been addicted to it so much So that uh, each of my games has been taking About one and a half to two hours
2: Wait, you've been playing a free-to-play mobile game And you're on a gaming podcast for shame No, okay, wait Okay, jokes aside so how Tell is us about game? it
1: yeah, what's this about?
0: Yeah, so the game is a turn-based strategy game okay. where there are a bunch of different tribes. These are all pretty much like cosmetic differences to each tribe. It's it's not like Age of Empires mm-hmm. where if you chose for example the Teutons, then your civilization would turn out to be completely different as opposed to say the Britons.
2: You could still get the Cobra car as a cheat and win, but Yeah,
0: you could. Yeah. In this game there is an uh, there are a couple <laughs> of cheats as well, which is very very surprising. As
2: in app purchases? No. Oh, yeah, there is an actual
0: cheat code where where, like uh, when you see a field in your area, you just tap it like five or ten times and a nature bunny pops up. So okay. this bunny will just randomly go anywhere and start attacking other people, <laughs> their cities or it'll attack you sometimes so you never know what's going on. Anyway, back to the game. So it has a very interesting technology tree in which you can discover things slowly as you have in most uh, most strategy games. Uh, slowly you can go to, for example, from say nothing to having suddenly catapults. And once you have catapults, then that's it. Then the game is pretty much dead because you can just destroy everybody. But then you have to constantly keep going to other cities and conquering them. And the moment you do that, the cost of technology Goes up. So, this whole mechanic is really nice, and the fact that you can use these different tribes, uh, the basic difference between all these tribes is that you start with different technologies. So, for example, there's one tribe that looks like the Chinese to me, has a very weird name. So, that tribe um, starts with the climbing technology. Similarly, another tribe will probably start with the swordsman technology. So, different tribes give you different advantages. So, the most interesting thing about this game is that it's totally free, no ads, nothing. Uh, only thing that uh, is making money for the game is in-app purchases where you can buy these tribes. So there are, I think a total of maybe 13 tribes of which you get four in the beginning and you can buy the others if you want. So overall pretty addictive game. You should definitely check it out. It's one of those uh, free to play games, which is actually, I mean, quite well designed, has no ads, no crap.
2: Uh, yeah. It looks really good with this uh, isometric voxel look. Yeah. It so does.
0: How's the music? Music is also pretty good and the most interesting thing is that, uh, I mean in this game, uh, the music keeps changing constantly. So for example, if you are looking at your territory and you've taken the tribe that looks like Romans, so you will have some Roman like music. And then you move and you attack another tribe, which is, for example, a tribe called Wengir, which seems like the orcs of this game. So you go to their area and the music changes to their particular okay. music. So it's this way, the area controlled by any particular tribe, uh, that area has a different music. So it's a very nicely done thing, Okay. the way they uh, put the soundtrack
1: yeah, in. It looks a lot like uh, the first few populous games where, where it had that nice isometric voxel look so yeah i mean it's quite interesting definitely despite being free to play i'm certainly peaked we'll yeah you out. should
0: definitely play it and then buy the tribe support the developer it's a one-man indie studio based out of sweden if i'm not mistaken that nice. has developed this entire game and very impressive thing for something that's been developed by one person okay nice yeah so what about you guys mikhail
2: uh i've been playing overwatch which is uh, as long as this uh, segment continues you're going to hear me say that quite a lot uh <laughs> still playing too much of it every day and uh, other than that i've been playing horizon zero dawn uh finally gonna move on to maybe uh titanfall 2 but i've been saying that for a while Uh, and i've been playing binding of isaac rebirth on ipad with the controller
0: yeah every time mike comes to our office that's a game he's playing all the time he just opens his ipad and it's like instinct first thing he does it opens binding of isaac rebirth and then so
2: basically doing that right now taking a break from playing on the vita and 3ds because i've been reviewing a lot of stuff on that need a break uh yeah basically that uh, horizon binding of isaac what about you rishi well i've been playing this game called eating crow it comes with ghost recon wildlands
1: you guys should check it out from time to time uh that aside uh, zelda lot of zelda it's surprisingly good i mean it's uh, compared to the previous ones yeah and uh, Uh, Aside from that, yes, a lot of Overwatch. There are a bunch of us who play every night on PlayStation Network. So it's quite fun. It's got this whole social angle to it, which has been missing since the days of Cyber Cafe is where I'm concerned. Yeah.
0: Zelda is a very bad game for those of us who have minor cases of OCD. Because I found myself just going there and chopping grass and cleaning up the entire territory just because I could more than playing the game. So that was really... So
1: thankfully, I don't suffer from that. But then I'm the kind (laughs) of guy who basically skipped work one day and and finished off uh red dead redemption in 13 hours so yeah i'm the polar opposite of that on, on open world games but i can see why people would be ocd uh essentially yeah those three and it's just been that and i'm dreading this month because we got mass effect coming up and uh, which i'm a big fan of and we've got persona 5 coming up in first week april so a lot more to go and it's all they're all RPGs that's the best
0: part so that's all for Switch this episode off. of Transition where we've switched off uh, <laughs> and we will see you with another episode next week um, as always don't forget to rate us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook Twitter YouTube and Instagram at Gadgets360 the music for this podcast comes from Magnus Solai Paulson from his album PPPPP which is the soundtrack for the game VVVVVV VVV.